Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, should Apple pivot to advertising? Plus, Twitter's new political advertising rules are spelled out, and Robert Heron tells us the best TVs you might want to be eyeballing for Black Friday and stuff. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, November 15th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from next to a beer tap, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. And we're very happy to welcome Robert Heron, video calibration expert and host of AVXL. Back to the show. Robert, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you, Tom. Uh, it's good to have you back. We're going to get some some good TV buying advice, as always. Uh, just good TV knowledge in general from Robert here in a minute. Uh, Sarah, you're not in your normal studio location. <laughs> I am not at Studio Redwood. No, I, I I realize anybody who's listening to the audio version is like, next to a beer tap, but I actually am. Um, uh, you know, hey, it's Friday after all. But yes, I'm uh, I'm I am on location doing some work, but uh, but happy to be on the show as usual. We were talking about all kinds of good things on Good Day Internet. Uh, uh, just now, just uh, yakking away about all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, if you want to hang out with us and and talk about things, sometimes tech related, sometimes not, uh, you got to be part of Good Day Internet. Become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Huawei's foldable Mate X device went on sale in China over the morning of November 15th for 16,999 won, roughly 2,400 U.S. dollars. Due to ongoing trade restrictions, however, the device doesn't ship with the Google Play Store or any U.S.-made chips. Huawei has also not stated if the Mate X will be available for sale outside of China. In addition, Huawei CEO Richard Yu made a Weibo post teasing a MatePad event for November 25th. Apple removed all 100 181 vaping-related apps from the iOS App Store. In a statement to Axios, Apple said it is updating its App Store review guidelines to forbid apps that encourage or facilitate the use of vaping products, citing a report from the U.S. CDC that found vaping devices a public health crisis and a youth epidemic. Apple previously stopped accepting new apps related to vaping back in June and never allowed for direct sales of vape cartridges through apps. 
In an interview with The Verge, Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, said that he expects to launch its xCloud game streaming service in 2020 in the U.S. Spencer also said that the company plans to integrate xCloud with Xbox Game Pass in 2020 as well, bringing game streaming to Windows 10 PCs. While currently only confirmed to run on Android on mobile, general manager of xCloud, Catherine Gluckstein, confirmed that the company is building prototype iOS apps and working with Apple to launch on the platform as well. Microsoft also plans to expand xCloud Preview to Canada, India, Japan, and Western Europe next year. Amazon will formally challenge the U.S. Department of Defense's decision to award Microsoft the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, or JEDI, contract. Amazon will file a complaint with the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. A spokesperson for AWS said numerous aspects of the JEDI evaluation process contained clear deficiencies, errors, and unmistakable bias. It strikes me that could also apply to Phantom Menace. Google revealed that an experiment rolled out uh, to the stable channel of Chrome has caused some browsers access through virtual machine environments to display white screens and leave the browser unresponsive. The experiment switched on a flag that enabled a new web content's occlusion feature, which suspends Chrome tabs when other apps are moved on top of those tabs. The experiment had been in beta for about five months without reported issues. Google has now rolled back the experiment. All right, let's talk a little bit more about a brand new company in the chip space. Three former Apple Semiconductor executives, Gerard Williams III, Manu Gulati, and John Bruno, have founded a company called Nuvia, N-U-V-I-A. The company is developing a processor called Phoenix and wants to take what they learned designing low-power chips for mobile devices and make a faster, more power-efficient, more secure chip for data centers. Uh, If that sounds familiar, Qualcomm... Marvell, Ampere, all have been aiming to do exactly the same thing and try to take a little business away from Intel and AMD. But Nuvia brings in a lot of experience. Not that Qualcomm doesn't have a ton of experience, but uh, we've got we've got some pretty smart people here. William spent nine years at Apple as chief architect of Apple's central processors and systems on a chip. Gulati spent eight years at Apple working on mobile systems on a chip. And Bruno spent five years at Apple in the platform architecture group. Plus, Gelati and Bruno also worked at Google Google after they left Apple before coming over to Nuvia. So, um, it's, it, you know, they're not a shoe in, but it just shows how using mobile processors, power efficiency to provide secure platforms for data centers is something that people think is going to be a bountiful place to make some money. Cause a lot of people are trying to figure out how to crack that. Yeah, and the fact that, uh, again, like you said, these are industry veterans. Uh, They could have worked lots of places, but they have come together to say, we can do this better than what is already going on in other places. If you're talking about low-power chips for mobile devices, I mean, this is is definitely not something that is a company that doesn't exist yet, but uh, but but I wonder what what uh, what they might achieve that doesn't uh, isn't already possible with with some of the big big guns. Well, right now it's usually can I get enough power out of this mobile chip uh, to make it worth not buying Intel or AMD, uh, and and it's close. So Nuvia must think they have some ideas of of how to how to engineer and how to architect that. Uh, so that it that it's compelling because data centers 
no matter who you talk to, data centers are the fertile ground uh, for money. We, we've heard it in the earnings reports recently. Samsung says, well, we're going to sell a lot of semiconductors to data centers. You know, so things are looking up for us. Uh, data centers are going to be buying a lot of chips, uh, memory chips, storage chips, and the processors. And if these processors are cheaper and more power efficient, that's going to be pretty compelling. Robert, I don't know if you've followed this closely enough. Do you have any, any thoughts on this? It's really about the cooling of these centers. And if you can eliminate some of that heat dissipation and keep that confined and in a part that actually it has to at least match the current performance of the of the server chips they use. And server chips, by and large, are already generally a lot cooler than you're going to have on a desktop part anyway. Yeah, yeah. They're not they're to say it's more like they're they're simply not stabler but they don't clock them as hard and they run better at those lower clock rates and that that comes back to the cooling side of it which is probably the main expense in a lot of these centers short of just the electricity to run everything but if you can if you can knock that down by even 15% and that's that's a lot uh that would go a long way towards that's, convincing that's... me something like an arm chip or lots of arm mm-hmm. chips or Nubia's latest design yeah. uh, it, it, it's really Intel, AMD, both have low-power designs, but maybe they're not the ideal thing for server environments. I, I, if they really have some sort of black magic in terms of being able to create a capable server part that is measurably more efficient in electricity, that's a huge deal. Definitely. Apple's pivot to services, which is an ongoing pivot, has led J.P. Morgan Chase to estimate that the company's advertising income could quintuple over the next six years to $11 billion annually. Apple TV, the App Store, and Safari are all seen as places where Apple could raise its revenue. But will they? Apple has marketed itself as a company that respects privacy, and having an effective advertising program often conflicts with prioritizing user privacy. Yeah, I mean, they have ads in the App Store right now. Uh, that's not terribly controversial. It's it's a matter of placement, saying like, hey, if somebody's looking for this kind of app or they're on this kind of page of app uh, and you want to place your app on there, that's fine. So they haven't run into problems where they're crossing the line there. But if you start to place ads on the Apple TV interface, that doesn't look very apple If you start to put ads in Safari somehow... That can wade into privacy problems really quick when you're dealing with browsing data. Uh, So I'm not sure what kind of assumptions J.P. Morgan Chase makes other than to say, well, if Apple made the decision to sell the ads, this is how much they could sell. It's different than them actually making the decision to sell the ads, which is then going to become an investor fight if they don't do it because they could be perceived as leaving money on the table. Do you leave the ad settings at default on most of the devices you use? I personally, I generally will turn off the the saving of specific information, so I end up getting very generic ads, not yeah, necessarily yeah. related to what I'm looking at. But I'm still fed ads, but the, the, they mean less to me than they probably would if I just left all these settings. And alone. it's something that that iOS users generally don't think about because the ad settings are 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 virtually you know the privacy settings are, are pretty tight already on iOS. And those ad settings have to do with the individual applications more often uh, if they're going over the line. That's something I've been absolutely thrilled about with Android 10. And it's it has gone through every app oh on my, my gosh, phone yeah. and literally said, hey, you know what? This thing's tracking your location 24-7. Would you like to turn that completely off or just when the app is running? Or Well, iOS 13 is like doing that, that too. It, in fact, it's, it's, it's knocking down my door more often than I'd like where I'm like, yeah, gosh, fine. Yes. Dark sky weather <laughs> app. It's fine wherever I am. Just, but, uh, but yes, 
it's better to be, you know, airing on the side of making sure that we're aware than the alternative. Totally. I love this trend. Twitter made its ban on political ads official. Uh, Remember we said Jack Dorsey had tweeted about this, but uh, devil's in the details on this sort of stuff. The rules are now out. They define political content as content in an advertisement. You can say whatever you want, different rules for what you say on Twitter, but in a paid advertisement, any content that references a candidate, a political party, an elected or appointed government official, an election, a referendum, a ballot measure, legislation, regulation, directive, or judicial outcome— is going to be considered a political ad, and you're not allowed to put political ads on Twitter. It also bans advertisements that contain references to political content. So in other words, the entire ad isn't about it, but it refers to it, including appeals for votes, solicitations of financial support, and advocacy for or against any of the above-listed types of political content. So that just further defines, like, here's you can, can't get around the rules by doing this. If you're talking about voting for something and it's clearly political, we're going to ban it. Candidates, parties, governments, or officials, political action committees, and certain political nonprofit groups are banned from any advertising altogether. Even if they just, you know, want to sell their used bicycle, no, they're not doing it on Twitter. I'm not sure anyone sells bicycles on Twitter. But An exemption will be given to news organizations to all of these rules if they have 200,000 monthly uniques or more, make their own content, and focus on more than one issue. So they're trying to draw a line that says, you know, we're talking about the Washington Post here. We're not talking about, you know, Joe Blow Pack that started a blog yesterday. An exemption will also be given to cause-based content to this is and this is where it gets tricky to allow ads that educate, raise awareness, and/or call for people to take action in connection with civic engagement, economic growth, environmental stewardship, or social equity causes. This last exemption does not allow targeting by zip code or political preference, and it can't reference or be run on behalf of the entities banned from placing political ads like candidates and parties. But that line between saying, hey, I'm just you know, trying to promote the economy of my hometown and this is really pushing for a political candidate is, I think, where Twitter is going to run into any potential controversy. Man, I mean, this is – first of all, I, I would like to commend Twitter. The company has obviously put a lot of thought into this and perhaps that's why this was not rolled out sooner because there was there were some decisions that had to be made. That said, <laughs> this reads as like a terms of service that like no one's going to read and they're not going to understand necessarily on the other side of it because it's very complicated. And I'm not sure, you know, I mean, it, I, I think it's, it's a good thing, but if you don't understand how things work, then it sort of works against Twitter because Twitter is full of a lot of users who would not care to understand what you just explained, Tom. Yeah, I mean, what's going to happen is somebody's going to put an ad uh, that they're going to claim is an ad that is cause-based, and mm-hmm. it's going to be about climate change for a Democratic candidate, or it's going to be about economic growth for a Republican candidate, or it's going to be some other combination there. And it's going to be uncovered that it was placed on behalf of pushing the agenda of someone, and Twitter's going to have a controversy. That's going to happen. There's just no way to get around this fuzzy line that they've drawn. Right. But... I wonder if that isn't the point where Twitter has said, yeah, but we pushed the boundary out over there. So you, if, if they say the candidate's name, if they say the party's name, if they talk about voting, it's clearly going to get kicked. Uh, so they have to be so circumspect that it might not be terribly beneficial for their candidate, even if they are trying to get around the rules. Does this stuff bother you, Robert? 
a little bit. I, it, it, John McAfee, who might not be the most stable genius in the world, he had a Twitter, <laughs> he had a tweet about a week ago where he said, you shouldn't be allowed to use the word news in the title of your organization if at least 80% of that content is vetted or at least uh, verified to be relatively truthful and you do that for the majority of your broadcast day. And he wasn't. It was just an interesting idea where maybe it is time we take a look at who can call themselves a new news organization mm. and have at least something there to help. Because the problem all goes back to it's just so easy to manipulate what you see and what you do and and to get a point out there that, you know, for, for devious reasons, even uh, anybody has access to these networks. And I hate to see it turning into an arms race of who can manipulate them the best. And it's it's it, it's spooky. But at the same point, you know, it's easy enough for me to disconnect and walk away from it all. But then I feel like I'm disengaging from, you know, discussions in the society. So it, can, it's a balance. have in other places uh, without a doubt. <laughs> listening, listening to this this morning's doings in Congress, uh, corruption's everywhere. And, and we can point the finger all we want. But hell. Half of our elected, m- most of our elected officials are taking legal bribes <laughs> from the from their so-called big-pocketed constituents, and it's it's in my opinion kind of tragic that it that it functions that way in this country. It's not a that's a whole separate that's a whole separate yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, yeah, I hate talking politics, but there you go. Well, you know who isn't corrupt, not necessarily anyway, is the modern cord cutter. Moffat Nathanson estimates that Hulu has 2.7 million subscribers for its live TV service, putting it at number one just ahead of Sling TV's 2.69 million. YouTube TV is another, estimated to have 1.6 million customers. Hulu will raise the price of its live TV service by $10 per month. From $44.99 U.S. dollars to $54.99. Hulu offers more than 60 channels, including all four major English language broadcast networks in the U.S., along with the Hulu on-demand service. Uh, in a blog post, the company said it's exploring ways to provide additional, more tailored live TV options as well. Yeah, and uh, since PlayStation View announced that it was going away at the end of January, I've been looking at back at Sling, Hulu, and YouTube TV and AT&T TV now uh, as options. And Hulu seems to be the best option for me. YouTube has the best interface right now and even has a couple more channels that I want. But I love that Hulu is tied into Hulu, right? I already, I'm already in Hulu watching uh, shows that are carried on just the, the regular on-demand Hulu side. And if I can integrate into that to, to watch my hockey and other live stuff, I, I think that's the way I'm going to go. Uh, $55 a month. Well, it's not as great as $45 a month, but it's actually cheaper than what I was playing PlayStation view and way cheaper than what I'd end up paying spectrum. Uh, so I, I think this is, uh, this is decent and it doesn't surprise me that Hulu is leading the way right now because of what I just said. I agree. Yeah. They also, oh, Hulu also happens to have the last three seasons of Archer where you can't get that pretty much anywhere else. You get the it's first something like that, isn't on Netflix it? or, yeah. uh, <laughs> Gated walls of my favorite content. I've been watching Cheers on Hulu, which you can get on (laughs) Netflix and CBS All Access. But again, because I'm already on Hulu watching Good Place and Handmaid's Tale and all this other stuff, I'm like, well, I'll just watch it over here. So they kind of, they if they keep building on that, I think that's going to be 
I think that's going to be successful for Hulu. I hope that this price increase might bring in some more channels because that is my one complaint about Hulu. There's a couple channels I'd like them to have. Uh, But as I always say, if you want to go and uh, decide which of these over-the-top streaming services you might want to get to replace your cable, the best place to go is suppose.tv. You can just put in where you are, what channels are important to you, and it'll lay it all out, including cable providers. If so, you can compare, you know, apples to apples, uh, and and see which one will actually save you money. More money for Disney. Yeah, it is. Hulu's uh, definitely going to be a cash cow for Disney, I think. Uh, Wikipedia co-founder Jimmy Wales has been slowly launching an alternative to Facebook. It's a news-oriented social network that you can sign up to for free, but you're put on a wait list. So. If you want to skip the line and not wait to be asked in, you pay. Uh, It doesn't take ads. You're not paying to get rid of ads or anything like that. They just say we're never going to take ads. Uh, But you can pay $12.99 a month or $100 a year to help support it. It's kind of like donation for Wikipedia. uh, And it lets you into the social network faster. WT Social has about 78,000 users right now. It's gained about 50,000 since November 6th. So it's growing fairly fast, but doesn't have a lot of people in it yet. Uh, It's topic-oriented, uses the community to enforce standards, similar to how Wikipedia works. In fact, anyone can edit or delete content. When you go in, it asks you to to pick a bunch of topics you want to follow, and then you can go in and see those and engage and talk to people about them. Uh, And and if you pay to get in, you can actually vote. You can actually invite other people to, to join for free as well. You know, it, the the concept of this is interesting. My my first reaction was like, anybody could delete my content. This is insane. It would be horrible, right? Because people are petty on social networks. But if it's more news oriented and less personal news oriented, then maybe that's less of an issue. Wikipedia, sure, you can go in and wreak some havoc. But for the most part, it's it's pretty self-sufficient. The moderation community in there is really robust. Uh, when things get weird, they get fixed quickly. And for the most part, it is it is like an encyclopedia type thing. It's, you know, well-respected. So, uh, you know, if you have under 100,000 users, uh, yes, as you mentioned, this is not an alternative to Facebook. There's, I mean, it's apples and oranges. There's just no way. But and everybody's always trying to be like, this is the alternative to Facebook because everybody complains about Facebook, but you're all on it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's an interesting idea. I don't know, Robert. I saw you on Facebook recently saying that you hadn't been on Facebook in a while. So what, what do you literally what do you, what do yeah. you make of WT Social? Yeah, I, I have no interest in this <laughs> per se. Uh, <laughs> what I would like to see, though, is something where I could literally install it on my NAS device and it could connect to other folks' set up social media networks, but it's 100% private where I can just invite the family or close friends to look at, you know, photos of the kids or the pets or whatever, or make plans for the weekend. And granted, it's nice to have it in a fully open environment where anybody can get in there and take a look or at least make that a little easier to do the connection. But this sounds, or it's rolling towards something where I personally would just rather have far more control over it myself. And well, it's, be- it's unfair to call this Facebook. It, this is about news. Yeah. This is trying to take a part of Facebook and say, if Facebook news bothers you, try this. This has got hacker news in it. The, the hacker news uh, feed comes into it. Uh, and you can, you can it every have day. comments about <laughs> to, to people about it. So the news feed part of Facebook, the sharing of birthdays and pictures from parties and all of that, not on That's, it. This is okay. just one segment 
of Facebook, mm-hmm. the news segment. And if it succeeds, it'll be amongst people who are like, yeah, I just, I just want a cleaner uh, way to, to follow what's going on that has a little bit of a social aspect to it where I can discuss things with people in a respectful way. It, That's I, super cool. Yeah. I, I, I look at things like uh, Reddit for, it used to be a lot more news or just, wow, you'd see it there first before anywhere else. Now it is... If you follow enough stuff, you're going to see a, a fire hose of a variety of things. It would be nice to have just a strong focus on actual news and current events and things yeah. like that in a in a relative, hopefully a relatively vetted environment. It's well, like setting same. setting your browser's homepage to the Wikipedia page, and it gives you that this day in history right. section. And well, I love that kind of stuff. It's so. very much you know you say what you want about Wikipedia. It's it's actually f- usually more accurate than most actual encyclopedias, uh, and and so they're taking what they've learned there and applying it here. We'll see if it works. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right. We had singles day just now. We have Black Friday coming up uh, in the U.S. And uh, kind of no matter where you are on the planet, there's some kind of shopping going on. And one of the things people are always looking for a deal on is TVs. So we're always happy to have Robert on to kind of help us figure out uh, what are what are some good TVs I should be looking for deals on? There are models out there right now. And Black Friday has now extended into being this month-long event. So you don't have to wait until Black Friday to get the best pricing, at least as far as 2019 models at the lowest prices we've seen all year long. And a couple that jump out to me would be the – well, if you're looking more for the high end, it's something that just came out. The TCL 8 series is one of the most interesting, interesting new LCD TVs that I've seen in quite a while. I believe this will be one of the very first TVs to incorporate a a grid of 20-plus thousand LEDs as the backlighting system. Micro-LED technology that enables 
an amazing amount of light output from this TV, in addition to having very granular control over that backlight for things like improving contrast in scenes like where you have a space scene with little stars shining on it, where you want the highlights to be nice and bright, but you don't want the black turning gray or glowing in general. TCL's 8 Series, it's in uh, 65 and 75-inch panel sizes. It's not cheap. Uh, I believe the 8 Series 75-inch is about three grand. It hasn't gone on sale yet. I'm really keeping an eye on that to see what might happen for an actual Black Friday sales event. And currently, I believe, at least in the U.S., it's only available through Best Buy currently. And But that's one that is so high performance, plus the Roku interface. Uh, and it's using quantum dot color, which expands the color palette compared to using phosphor enhanced LEDs or anything older than that at this point. Quantum dot and LCD, that's currently the very best color you can get out of one of these screens from any manufacturer. And most manufacturers who are producing decent screens are turning toward that. In the same vein, Samsung's Q90R, which is a not quite their most premium model, but one step back. Terrific deals there for 65, 75, and 82-inch screen sizes. Uh, the 75 I was keeping an eye on, that is at $2,300 right now, which is about $1,700 off the price. Nice thing about Samsung, they also use the Quantum Dot technology. That perhaps is a more well-known brand compared to maybe TCL. It has a great set of integrated apps that integrates with all of your gear quite nicely. It does lack... Uh, Support for Dolby Vision. So if you're looking specifically at that one feature, Samsung TVs do do HDR10 and HDR10+. Uh, that's still an effective format that you'll find from every video distributor out there. So that's not really such a, a downside on that one. And, and I like it a lot. And on the value side, just quickly going back to TCL, in addition to that 8 series, they have a 6 series. For 2019, they made a big jump and switching from those phosphor LEDs, which caused an interesting image artifact that once you see it, you'll you cannot unsee it per se. And that had to do with moving objects and, say, uh, a bright object on the screen moving. You would actually see colored trailed edges that weren't solid or a blurred effect in essence. And by switching the new six series also to quantum dot. It eliminates that issue altogether. It improves the color performance, especially with your 4K HDR sources. And that is just a terrific bargain. Uh, I believe the 55 is 600 bucks right now, 65, 800 bucks. That's about as low end as I would go personally if you're looking for solid performance. Now, as far as LG OLEDs go, the C9 is out there. It incorporates their latest generator, uh, second gen processor from last year. Performance-wise, in terms of the absolute picture quality, the new LG C9 series is not that much different from the C8 series that preceded it last year, other than that they've incorporated a lot of future-looking tech into it, including HDMI 2.1, and I'll get into this in a little bit, but they've also announced some LG OLEDs at CES will feature incorporated ATSC 3 tuners, which for digital over-the-air broadcast, this is moving from the digital 720p 1080i standard dynamic range, standard color, to up to 4 and 8K video streams with HDR. And ATSC3 is also very much a, you can almost think of it as IP distribution system. It'll enable through connected TVs a back and forth, so you can have a little two-way interaction for maybe services and apps and things like that. But more importantly for me, it'll be just simply having improved color, almost triple the effective bitrate 
and it's still going to be free over the air with an appropriate tuner and antenna. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I imagine if LG is announcing this with their 2020 uh, LG OLED TVs, it'll probably be showing up in other manufacturers as well. And then finally, I just want to remind everyone that projectors are freaking cool, especially if you can pick up something that's affordable and you don't mind, it's not so expensive that you're, you're treating it like this fragile object constantly. A good portable projector starts at less than $500 for 1080p technology, scales all the way on up to whatever you want to spend on these devices. But a thing to remember about every projector today, they all have HDMI input. Most have powered USB ports. That makes them just perfect for plugging in a streaming stick of anybody's. And having that is not only an upgrade on the cheap, but it can make it very portable then in terms of, hey, I can just simply take this outside and with my internet connection, stream all my favorite shows and content and everything like that uh, right in the backyard. So, And if you are looking for a projector and you don't know what the hell to choose, projectorcentral.com is a wonderful website. They have everything broken out by price and budget and terrific reviews, and they've been around for a long time, and they're just solid. And if you need an antenna... Speaking of Black Friday sales, the good folks over at Channel Master have a couple of antennas. They have their $10 antenna. It might be 5 bucks for Black Friday. Wow. I don't know. Either That's way, crazy. the $10 flat antenna is like you should just have one of those just in case it works just fine uh, if you live somewhere with good reception. Yeah. Otherwise, they have their Smart Tenna Plus, which is something I picked up when it first came out for about 90 bucks. It's currently half price. And that features uh, an array of different antenna modules. And when you first plug it in, it spends about five minutes going through all of them to figure out which of these configurations gives me the best reception. And it generally works pretty well. It's terrific in terms of a flat antenna. You kind of just put it where you want, and then it'll internally figure out the best optimization for it. And for that, uh, I think it's... If you want something a step up from a $10 antenna, that's a good way to go. Yeah, and it works really well. I, I use one of those, too. Thanks so much, Robert. Uh, this is good My stuff pleasure. for people to be looking out for. Look, look for the price reductions. Look for the deals on some of that uh, stuff. Any major manufacturer, if you've been eyeballing one of their TVs, it likely is on sale right now. And overall, I've noticed that if Costco carries that same TV, it's going to be about 50 bucks less. Hmm. Well, my mom will be buying my next TV for me, and I'll Venmo her <laughs> as a Costco customer. Hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on other stories that you see at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. You help us make our lineups every day. Thank you in advance. Join in the conversation in our Discord as well, where you can join by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. We also want to shout out our patrons at our master and grandmaster levels, including Mike McLaughlin, Philip Less, and Frederick Hubner. Also, thanks to Robert Heron. Robert, it's been too long since we've seen you on the show, so thanks so much for being with us, giving us some really good tips on what to buy on Black Friday. Where can people keep up with the rest of your work? Worst. Still, actually, we fired up AVXL again. We were on hiatus for about six months. And, yeah. And Patrick Norton and myself are grinding that away weekly. Actually, I think we're recording tomorrow, a brand new episode. So we'll get that done. Excellent. Although Len wasn't able to be on today, we do want to remind you that today is the last day to get your name on the annual DTNS commemorative poster. There are only four slots left. In fact, there might only be three slots left uh, to have your name written into the credits. So act now. Head on over to LenPeraltaStore.com. Uh, and of course, you're also uh, got a chance to get some of Len's art mailed to you. 
You have to give us your address, obviously, to have it mailed to you. But uh, sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS with that address by November 28th and get a holiday card with Len Peralta's art on it. Uh, we have that and other Patreon rewards at patreon.com slash DTNS. And if you have feedback for us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2130 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back Monday with an all-new show. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.